Welcome to episode number 14 of Strengthening the Brethren podcast. I'm your host, Michael Larson. Today I'm sharing a sermon by Pastor Ryan Gray, who is the assistant pastor of Bible Baptist Church in Fairbanks, Alaska. Over this past weekend, my church had a wild game supper where Pastor Gray was our keynote speaker. More than 20 people professed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior at the event. This sermon is entitled, When Wrong and Right Are Darkish White. Enjoy. Greetings from Fairbanks, where we got five inches of snow today, and, uh, and I heard that there's a winter storm watch for Anchorage. My wife and I and our youngest son, we took a trip to uh, Indiana uh, last month, Indiana, and then went into Ohio to visit my wife's family. Everywhere we went, they had snow and record cold temperatures. <laughs> Indiana was down to like two degrees one day. And when it's windy and wet, uh, that is cold. That is cold. And, uh, and then we went to Ohio. Snow and cold. And then in Kentucky, we went to the ark. It was snowing at the ark. The little landscape, beautiful lake out front, you could have ice skated out there. It was cold. But if you've not been to the ark... There in uh, northern Kentucky, you need to see that. That is, it is awesome and a great testimony of the gospel of the Lord Jesus. And uh, that, that is quite, quite an impressive structure and testimony of the truth of the Word of God. Well, uh, I'm, a, I'm grateful for the privilege to be able to preach tonight, uh, Pastor McGovern. And uh, um, if you take your Bibles tonight and uh, let's, let's open to the book of Leviticus if you'd, uh, if you'd hold your place in Leviticus chapter number 13, and then we're going to go to the New Testament uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. So hold your place in Leviticus, and then turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. <clears throat> Some of our guys from Fairbanks heard this message last week, so they already know where to say amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 13 and 1 Corinthians chapter number 9. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse number 6, let me just read a few verses here really to kind of lay a bit of a foundation for the rest of the message, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 6, Or I only and Barnabas have not we power to forbear working. Who goeth a warfare any time at his own charges? Who planteth a vineyard and eateth not of the fruit thereof? Or who feedeth a flock and eateth not of the milk of the flock? The, the context here is, is that the Apostle Paul, writing by the inspiration of the Spirit of God, he's talking about uh, he, as a preacher of the gospel, being supported by, by ch- local churches. And that that, that, that was not unusual, uh, it wasn't unscriptural, and that in fact the Old Testament taught that principle, uh, taught that practice, at least in principle. And we see in, in uh, verse number 8, Say I these things as a man, or saith not the law... The same also. Now he's going to reach back into the Old Testament in verse number 9. For it is written in the law of Moses, 
Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? The answer is yes, God takes care of oxen. So in the Old Testament, when, uh, when God gave the law, He, he said that when, when a, a, an Israelite had an oxen, that was that was uh, attached to the millstone, and it was it was grinding that meal and uh, going around and around and turning that stone. God said, "You don't put a muzzle on the mouth of that oxen to prevent it from eating the corn that would spill out onto the ground. Let that let that oxen eat of that because it's the oxen that's doing the work." So the oxen is a, it should be able to eat of the fruit of his own labors. Verse number uh, 10. Uh, let me, let's read the last part of verse 9. Doth God take care for oxen? Verse 10. Or saith he it altogether for our sakes, the preacher's sakes. For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope. And he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have sown unto you spiritual things, is it a great thing if we shall reap your carnal things? That's the financial support that the, the, the preacher, the missionaries likewise receive from uh, local churches. And, and notice how, uh, how, we, how we see this Set forth. Uh, Paul reached back into the Old Testament and pulled out a principle. Now, re- remember that all of the Bible was written to you, but all of the Bible was written for you. All, all the Bible was not written to us. There, there are things that we don't do in the New Testament age that God commanded to be done in the Old Testament. Because those things were written not not to us, but to them. But they were written for us. All Scripture is profitable. So we, we learn principles from the Old Testament that very much apply to our New Testament Christian lives. So with that in mind, look back with me at Leviticus chapter number 13. Leviticus chapter 13. <clears throat> I imagine that there's probably a few guys in here tonight that are mechanics. Maybe some guys are builders, contractors. Uh, and I suppose that in those, in those trades, there are things that you may really like to do in your mechanic work. Maybe a guy really likes to do engine work, uh, but he may not be too excited about transmissions. And I'm just making that up. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know. Or maybe he said, you know, I, I love working on brakes. I like, I like the drivetrain, but I'm not an engine mechanic. That's, that's not my forte. Or the, the, uh, the uh, contractor, he may say, boy, I just, I just love framing houses, but I don't like being up on the roof. Or uh, I'm not real crazy about the plumbing. Septic systems, that's not... Uh, I have to do it, but that's not my favorite part of the job. You follow me? There, there's probably some things about maybe what your job. You say, mm, I've just got to buckle down and do this today, but I really don't want to do it. The, 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 uh, 
The office of the priesthood in the Old Testament was a, was a place of tremendous blessing and a great privilege because the Old Testament priests served in the holy things. And, and by their ministry, they provided a way for sinful men to approach God. That's pretty important. Amen? Now, we don't have priests today. Because the Lord Jesus Christ is our high priest. And, and as Bible-believing Christians and independent Baptists, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. That we can go directly to God in prayer. We don't have to go through a man because Jesus Christ is our high priest. So the, the office of the priest, although it, was, it is not something that is uh, in effect today in the New Testament age, but the priest that served in the Old Testament time served in a very blessed a very blessed position, a very honorable position. They received the offerings that people would bring to the temple or the tabernacle and or, and they would offer up offerings to God and sacrifices to God, the uh, the animal sacrifices. There were sacrifices that were offered every day, morning and evening. There were other sacrifices that were offered weekly on the Sabbath. There were other sacrifices that were offered uh, monthly with the new moon. And there were others that were offered annually, uh, certain, certain uh, feast days, Pentecost and first fruits and Passover and so on. And so there was never a day in Israel that sacrifices were not being offered. And we know that the blood of those animals could not wash away sins. That blood was only a temporary covering, if you would that pointed ahead to the blood of Jesus Christ that would be shed on the cross to take away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ tasted death for every man. His blood shed at the cross was sufficient to wash away the sins of whosoever would believe on Christ as their Savior. So I I imagine that serving as a priest and, and serving about the the holy things in the tabernacle later on in the temple and uh, offering up offerings to God and being in, the, in, in close proximity to the holy place, that, that was an awesome experience, surely, for those priests. But there was part of the priest's job that wasn't so glamorous. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Look at Leviticus chapter 13. Verse number 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, saying, When a man shall have in the skin of his flesh a rising, a scab or bright spot, and it be in the skin of his flesh like the plague of leprosy, then he shall be brought unto Aaron the priest, or unto one of his sons the priests. And the priest shall look on the plague in the skin of the flesh, and when the hair in the plague is turned white, and the plague in sight be deeper than the skin of his flesh, it is a plague of leprosy. And the priest shall look on him and pronounce him unclean. If the bright spot be white in the skin of his flesh, and in sight be not deeper than the skin, and the hair thereof be not turned white, then the priest shall shut up him that hath the plague, Seven days. 
And the priest shall look on him the seventh day, and behold, if the plague in his sight be at a stay, and the plague spread not in the skin, then the priest shall shut him up seven days more. And the priest shall look on him again the seventh day, and behold, if the plague be somewhat dark, notice that, somewhat dark, and the plague spread not in the skin, the priest shall pronounce him clean, it is but a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab spread much abroad in the skin, after that he hath been seen of the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen of the priest again. And if the priest see that, behold, the scab spreadeth in the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy. Let's pray together. Father, we need your blessing and your power upon the preaching tonight. Lord, I'm so aware that without you, I can do nothing. And Father, I pray for your filling and trust your power to work in me and through me. You've said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. Lord, not with enticing words of men's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And Lord, may we know that we've heard from heaven by the time we leave tonight, and that we'd leave differently than we were when we came in. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now you know that leprosy in our Bible represents sin. And leprosy was a, was a dreaded disease. Uh, leprosy was basically a death sentence. And we don't see leprosy really in our, in our country today. But if you go to the mission field or uh, you do some research on the internet, you'll, you'll read of places where there are still leper colonies today. Leprosy was, a, what was first of all, it was a, a disfiguring disease. It would cause the uh, appendages, fingers, ears, nose to, to rot and fall off. It was a disfiguring disease. It was a, it was a dividing disease because if a person was a leper, they, they were to be separate from, from the rest of the people, rest of society. If a, if a man was a pronounced a leper, then he couldn't live at home with his family. He had to go live outside the city, uh, away from family, and knowing that that would be all that his life would be, the rest of his life, he would be separate. He had to cover up his mouth and say, unclean, unclean, if, if anyone approached him that did not know of his condition. And then leprosy was a deadly disease. It brought death. It was a slow, it was an ugly, uh, agonizing death. And so leprosy is a picture of sin. And the priest, among all of the wonderful things that they did in serving the Lord in the tabernacle and later on in the temple, offering the sacrifices and being around the, the holy things, that, that was no doubt enjoyable and wonderful and an awesome responsibility and a great honor and a great privilege. But I just think that they didn't enjoy this part of their job. And maybe, maybe if there was a new priest at the bottom of the totem pole, when someone that might be a leper came and said, you, you go see him. Because you can see from the context that they had to get very close to these lepers, looking at the hair on his skin. Is that hair turned white? Well, how, you know, how would you know that? How old is the, Maybe the guy's of age that his hair is white anyway. But he doesn't have leprosy. So the priest would have to get, I mean, this is in the days before magnifying glasses, get right up there close and look. 
Uh, you know, I, I tell you what, if, if, if anybody even thinks that you have the COVID virus today, you know, don't sneeze in Walmart. They'll just about charge you with attempted murder. People, the world has gone crazy. Uh, but, but, but the priest had to get right up close to these, these uh, folks that were possibly uh, aff- afflicted with the deadly disease of leprosy. And um, I want you to notice, we, we saw the, uh, the phrase in verse number, about the middle of verse 6, if the plague be somewhat dark. What color is somewhat dark? Am I, am, I, am I holding this thing right? You'd think with ears as big as mine, this would be no problem at all, staying on here. Is it okay? It feels like it's moving around. All right. <clears throat> so, what color is somewhat dark? How dark is somewhat? How, how, how light would it have to be to not be somewhat dark? Look, look at uh, verse number 18. Verse 18. The flesh also, in which even in the skin thereof was a boil and is healed, and in the place of the boil there be a white rising or a bright spot, white and somewhat reddish. Ladies, help me out. What color is somewhat reddish? Is that pink? Is that, is it uh, mauve? (laughs) Is that salmon? Is it purple? What color is somewhat reddish? Somebody help me out here. I don't know what, what does somewhat re- At what point do you say, uh-uh, that's, that's somewhat reddish? You just see, this is like, it's not, it's, it's not very scientific. Somewhat dark, somewhat reddish. Look at verse 21. But if the priest look on it, and behold, there be no white hairs therein, and if it be not lower than the skin... Now, how low is low in the skin, by the way? You know, you might have had chicken pox. And there's some marks that are somewhat low in the skin, but that's not leprosy. And if it be somewhat dark, there it is again. Verse 26. But if the priest look on it, and behold, there be no white hair in the bright spot, and it be no lower than the other skin, but be somewhat dark... Then the priest shall shut him up seven days. Look at verse 39. Then the priest shall look, and behold, if the bright spots in the skin of their flesh be darkish white. What color is darkish white? Don't say gray. I don't want to hear that. (laughs) Okay. Darkish white. Uh, verse 42. And if there be in the bald head or bald forehead a white reddish sore. Reddish. It is a leprosy sprung up in his bald head or his bald forehead. And the priest shall look upon it. So the priest, the priest had the responsibility of looking in a, in a this is a, a, a medical situation, looking at, at at uh, these skin conditions or a wound or a boil or a a scab or whatever it may have been, but it it was suspected that it might be leprous 
And so the priest had to look at all of these individual situations. The first point tonight, and by the way, the title of the message is this. When wrong and right are darkish white. When wrong and right are darkish white. Number one, leadership has responsibilities. Leadership has responsibilities. These priests were in a position of leadership and, and they, had, they had tremendous responsibilities. First of all, they had a great responsibility to God because God put them in this, in this position. That's a good thing to remind yourself of, that, uh, that you are where you are because God put you there. And uh, in your marriage, God, God joins together husband and wife. Just remember that when, when you hit some potholes in the road of life. Just remember that you're in that marriage till death do us part. That God joined you together. And by the way, someone says, oh, but, but preacher, I wasn't saying. When I got married, I wasn't seeking for the will of God. I just did this on my own. But when you entered into marriage, God joined you together. And now it's the will of God to stay married. Leadership has tremendous responsibilities. Uh, the responsibility that God had given those priests, uh, and then the responsibility to the lepers, the, the, the ones that were the patients that would come to the priests, that the, the priests had a tremendous responsibility of looking at this situation and, and not, not uh, brushing up, saying, oh no, you're fine, when it could be leprosy. But, but at the same time, also, not, not pronouncing something as leprosy that wasn't leprosy, because think of all the turmoil that, that would come into that family. So they had tremendous responsibility to, the, to those that were leprous, and a tremendous responsibility to the nation. Because if there are lepers, the, the, they need to be isolated so that they don't affect the rest of the nation of Israel. And spread this leprosy. So the leadership had great responsibilities. And we, we gather from this passage and these scriptures that we've read that this was not an exact science. Somewhat reddish. Darkish white. Uh, somewhat dark. Uh, they, they weren't able to take a swab and look at something under a microscope and determine absolutely this is leprosy. They couldn't do that. And so, so it wasn't an exact science. Br Brother uh, McGovern, did you guys ever have that book on the mission field where there is no doctor? Yeah, that's probably standard. Go to the mission field with the King James Bible and the, a copy of the book where there is no doctor. Uh, and in that, in that book where there is no doctor, it explained uh, common maladies that you get overseas. Did you have that as well in Honduras? And, um, but, but, the, but the drawings in the book to draw and, and, you know, is this a boil? Is this a whatever? The drawings were like chick, chick track drawings. And <laughs> you look at that picture, you go, this is my kid's arm. It doesn't. <laughs> you had a hard time determining whether or not it was, it was what you were looking up in the book to, to, to see. If that, but so I, see these, I imagine these priests saying, you know, it's, it's somewhat reddish, somewhat dark. You know, the hair's white. But, you know, his hair's kind of white anyway. And 
you know, the skin might be a little lower here, and they, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't exact and precise, but they had a great responsibility. You ever hear somebody on the job talk like, I wish I was the boss of the company. Boy, I, if, I, if I was in charge, I would, you know. And you know, he says that that's the guy that, that clocks out exactly at 5 o'clock, and when he leaves work, he never thinks about the job until he punches back in the next day. He has no idea the responsibility and the burdens that that boss carries all day and all night long. Think the wheels are always turning in his mind. Long after the other, other guys are off the clock and they're thinking about other things, the boss, and here's this guy, I, I wish I was in charge. Sure. He's probably never run a lemonade stand in his life but he wants to be the boss of the company. And, but uh, but then, there, then there are those who say, you know, if, if I was that child's parent, you know, usually you make statements like that, people that don't have kids yet. Because before you have children, and I was there, many of us were there, before we had kids, we had all the answers. Everything was compartmentalized very neatly in these, these boxes. That's right, and that's wrong, and I know how I would handle that. And then we had kids. And then we realized that everything in, in, in family and life and raising children is not always simple, black and white, where you, you know exactly that's right and that's wrong. Now, I'm not talking about the Bible. I'm talking about looking at life situations. I'm talking about looking at, like, the, the priest looking at the leper and saying, it's reddish. It's darkish white. That was a tremendous responsibility. And likewise, it is at home, and it is on the job, and it is in the church for the pastor. Sometimes the pastor looks at a situation, and I'm not putting words in your pastor's mouth, but I know I've been there more times than I could count. And I say, you know, I really can't put my finger on that, but something about that isn't right. It's reddish. It's darkish white. Leadership has great responsibilities. So much so that God told the priest, if you look at, a, at an individual and you're not sure that it's leprosy, then you put them, I, I know I don't want to say this word in church, but I have to say it, put them in quarantine. Seven days. That's what God said. Put them in quarantine, and after seven days, look at them again. And if, if still there's no change or you still can't really uh, nail it down that that's leprosy, then put it in quarantine again for seven more days. And, and then come back and look at him again after that period. And so uh, the, there was a tremendous responsibility in the, in, in the priest to make the right decision because there were, there were serious ramifications of that decision. If the man is a leper... We don't want him back in with the general populace. But if he's not a leper, we don't want to turn his life and family upside down and have them separated and all of those things. Leadership has great responsibilities. Number two, the law of God teaches us to err on the side of caution and safety. God's law teaches us to err on the side of caution and safety. Look with me for just a moment. At, we'll come back to Leviticus. But look at Romans chapter number 14. Our oldest son, Dalton, 
is married now, and our second-born son, Caleb, is engaged to Miss Abigail Lemon. And uh, they are still working on a date. It looks like it's going to be July, August, somewhere in that time frame. And so things are changing in the gray household. Why did I mention that? Um, See, I got distracted. Safe. Better safe than sorry. Our oldest son, Dalton, when we were first married, we lived in a small apartment, and the kitchen was really small, and we had heard stories about little children going into the kitchen and pulling off a pan of boiling you know, water or pot of something. So I said, all right, the rule is he can be anywhere on the carpeted area in the apartment is fine, but not on that little linoleum patch that was the kitchen. And um, guess where he stood? Guess where he liked to hang out? You, you know. Right on the edge. Right on the little metal strip where the carpet is nailed down, that's where he stood. And, and, and I mean, a year and a half old, not even two years old. He was two years old, we went to the mission field. But he would stand right there and he'd look in the kitchen. And, you, but you know what happens when you, when you hang around the edge? Sooner or later you're going to go over the edge. When you get as close as you can to, to, to not, doing, not doing wrong, but you're on the very threshold of that, it's only a matter of time before you do it. And he would look in the kitchen and he would see those shiny pots and pans that my wife had stacked up in this little storage place. And after a while, he just couldn't, he couldn't resist. He had to have one of those pots. He'd cross the line and get a spanking for it. God's Word teaches us to err on the side of caution. Look with me, and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think I need to read all the context and explain that in Romans 14, but it's talking about things that are questionable. And it's really talking about meat versus uh, uh, eating a vegetarian diet versus eating of meat. But look at verse 22 of Romans 14. Hast thou faith? Have it to thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that doubteth is damned if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So here's a person who, because, because they were weak spiritually, they thought they had to eat a, a, a vegetarian diet, that they couldn't eat meat. And God said in, in, early in this chapter that he that is uh, weak eateth herbs, and, and the, the spiritual man knows it's okay to eat meat. But here's a, here's a, a brother or sister that's just not, they're not at that level of maturity yet. We had a, a family in the ministry in Fiji, an Indian family in, from India, descendants from uh, uh, folks that came from India years ago in Fiji. And, and Indians are predominantly Hindu. Hindus don't eat beef. And she had been saved for many years. Her, her children were saved, but she, mom didn't eat beef. And, uh, and the kids did. They had grown up, uh, gotten saved younger, and... and didn't have any problem eating beef. Well, one night, the, the teenage children made dinner. And Indians curry everything. Curried fish and chicken and not beef, but they, they curry popo and pumpkin and all kinds of stuff. So the kids made dinner and they made curry 
using beef and didn't tell mom until two hours after she ate it. And mom, uh, their mom did not, uh, did not handle that well. Not only was she weak in the area of eating beef, she was always also weak in the area of keeping her temper. And so they had, uh, they had a bit of an uproar at home over that. Now, but it's not a sin. It's not a sin for her to eat beef. But, it, but she felt that it was wrong because of her previous, her, her upbringing, her previous religion. So the point is here that if, if, if you don't know that it's right to do, then don't do it. If you can't do it in faith, then don't do it at all. Where there's doubt, there's dirt. So don't do it. And so God, God tells us to err on the side of caution. And, and uh, there's a lot of young people here tonight. Young people, you may come to your parents with a, with a, uh, a request. You want to go somewhere. You want to do something. You know, your parents may not always be able to put their finger on a Bible verse that says, you, you should not do that. The answer is no, because the Bible says that that is wrong. Right here. That, that activity, is, your parents may not always have a Bible verse in black and white that deals with that specific subject. But you know what they may say? So, you know, I don't, I don't really know exactly why, but I don't think that's a good decision. There's something about that that troubles me. And you know, submission requires faith. It requires faith to submit to your parents, knowing that God is working through them. The, the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. That God is working through your parents to conform you to the image of Christ. And your, and your parents have enough wisdom of life. Maybe they've seen other people that have gone down that road in similar activities. They said, no, you're not, you're not going. I remember as a teenager, there was a, there was a, uh, a fun, uh, uh, I, forget, I don't even know what you call it. It was a place in Fairbanks. They had bumper cars and they had movie theaters and all these activities. Kind of a, just a fun hangout for teenagers. And it was the new big thing back in the 80s. And, um, and, and I asked my dad if I could go to that place. I said, a bunch of my friends are going to go. And that was problem number one, was wrong friends. But, uh, Dad, Dad, can I go? Everybody's going to go. And I, can, I, can I go? And my dad said, no, you're not going. And I said, but Dad, everybody's going. All the guys are going. He said, no, they're not. I said, you don't understand that all the guys are going. He said, all the guys are not going. I said, who's not going? You're not going. <laughs> well, and I didn't go. And, and as, best, as best as I know, I, I never darkened the door of that establishment. Never one time. Not because I didn't want to. I wanted to. But my dad said, no, you're not going. And, and I don't know that my dad had ever been in there to look and see what was happening there. But my dad just knew the stuff that's happening there. My son doesn't need to be part of that. Amen. And there's not a, there's not a Bible verse that, that specifically t- talked about that place. It's not that bumper cars are sinful. I've ridden bumper cars at other times. And I had a great time. And I drive with my wife. And that's almost the same thing. The point is, your parents may not be able to say, that's wrong because... That specific, but you know what they might say? Like the priest says, I don't know, but it looks darkish white. It looks darkish white to me. So here's what, we're going to put that in quarantine. 
I talked to a couple. Uh, they love the Lord. They, they, have, they have a heart to serve the Lord. Uh, newer family in our church. And they, they said, can we, can we sit down and talk? We have a question about this decision we're going to make and uh, that they were contemplating making. And so we, I heard their situation and, and uh, he said one thing and she said something else. And it was obvious that they weren't in agreement on this. And it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily a, a sin issue. It was just, should we do this or that? Uh, and, and so we, we talked about it. And uh, really heard both, you know, in, 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 other, in other families and other people's lives, somebody could very much do that and it would be okay. And somebody else could do this and it would be okay. But at the, at the, at the time, they weren't in agreement. And so I said, you know what, why don't, why, don't we, why don't we do this? Let's pray about this together and let's just, let's just put this in quarantine. Just don't do anything about it right now. Just put that in quarantine and just see what God does in the meantime. See how God works in your heart. See how God teaches you. See how God leads you. Don't rush into a decision because we, we know that if, if mom and dad aren't in agreement, that, that that's trouble from, the, from step one. We're going the wrong direction here. So just put that in quarantine and let's just leave it and let's just see what God does. The law teaches us to err on the side of caution and safety. He that eateth with doubt is condemned, the Bible says. So you don't do it. You stay, you stay out. And I don't like this term, but you stay out of the gray area. Stay out of that. We had a, we had a, a fellow in RU that gave a testimony. He's relatively new to the Lord. But uh, he had gotten saved and baptized, and he's come into Reformers Ministry. And here's what he said in a testimony here a few months ago. He talked about people that are sitting on the fence. You know, kind of half in, half out, half right, half wrong. He said, what they don't realize is that the devil owns the fence. That's where the devil wants you to be. You, you just hang out where it's questionable, because it's only a matter of time before you're in outright sin. And so God, God's law teaches us to err on the side of caution. Number three, we also learn from, this, from these, these verses on leprosy that we are to get rid of the bad things. Get rid of the bad things. Look with me for a moment at Leviticus chapter 13. The Bible talks about that leprosy could get into a garment. Leviticus chapter 13, look at verse number 47. 1347, and the Bible says, The garment also that the plague of leprosy is in, whether it be a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it be in the warp or woof of linen or of woolen, whether in a skin or in anything made of skin, and if the plague be greenish or reddish in the garment... Or in the skin, either of the warp, or in the woof, or in anything of skin, it is a plague of leprosy, and it shall be showed unto the priest. And so, just for the sake of time, the priest would, if he wasn't sure, well, it's greenish, it's reddish, I don't know, but we're gonna we're gonna quarantine that garment for seven days, and then look at it again. And if that garment was a leprous, then verse number fifty-two said, you burn the garment. Now, now, back in the Bible days, they didn't have uh, coals and, uh, you know, the, the clothing stores. To, the clothes were, you may have just had one uh, suit of clothes that you owned. 
So the clothing was very valuable. And they would have been passed on to other family members. Um, but if that leprosy is in the garment, then it can be transmitted to you. And so burn that. So you, the, the principle is that you get rid of the bad. It might be valuable, but it's polluted, so get rid of it. I thank the Lord for times in my life as a, as a Christian growing in the Lord and as God began to grow me and mature me in my discernment, and we're all still growing, we ought to be growing more and more discerning, that uh, there were some things that when I got saved, I knew, I knew from day one I needed to get new friends and then get new music because I was listening to the sorry rock and roll music of the world. And I, I, tried, I tried to just... Box up all my music CDs. I said, I'm just going to put them in this box. I remember I had a shoebox. Put them all those CDs and tapes in the box. Put the box under my bed. Well, that didn't work. Because a little while later, I missed. I was addicted to that music. I got that box back out and I was listening to it again. And then I thought, oh, I've got to get rid of this. The Lord was dealing with my heart. I got to get, get. I'm going to throw all of it away except that favorite one, that favorite CD of that that group. And so I threw all of them away, except for that one. I saved that one, and I, get, I listen to it every now and then. Listen to it, listen to it. And pretty soon I was out buying all the stuff to replace what I threw thrown away. Finally got rid of it all. But I didn't stop there. I didn't just get rid of it. Then I replaced it. So you, you get rid of, of the bad, and then fourthly, exercise the law of replacement. Look at chapter 14. Leprosy could come in a person's body. Leprosy could be found in their garments. The Bible also says that leprosy could appear in a house. In a house. Look at chapter 14 and uh, verse number, let's see, 33. Chapter 14 of Leviticus, verse 33. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When ye be come into the land of Canaan, which I give to you for a possession, and I put the plague of leprosy in a house of the land of your possession. And when he that owneth the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, It seemeth to me, there is as it were. You see the uncertainty in there? There's, you know, it, it seemeth to me that there were as it were. You know, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm concerned about this. There's a question mark. And so he comes to the priest, and then the priest would command, in verse 36, the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest go into it to see the plague, and that all, the, all that is in the house be not made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in to see the house, and he shall look on the plague. And behold, if the plague be in the walls of the house with hollow streaks, greenish or reddish, which in sight are lower than the wall, then the priest shall go out of the house to shut uh, to the door of the house and shut up the house. Here it is, seven days. Again, so the house is quarantined. Then the, after seven days, the priest would look at it again and see if that has grown, if it's increased. And then uh, uh, here, here's the first option that, uh, that they could do. If it was leprosy in verse 41, they could scrape the mortar off of the walls. They could scrape that, that plaster off and then take the dust out. And then in verse 42, they could take other stones, replacing stones, take some stones out of the wall that had that leprosy and put different stones in and replace them. That's what you've got to do with things in your life that are questionable. You don't know for sure, or maybe it's something that's outright wrong and you know it's wrong. Don't just, don't just get rid of it. 
get rid of it and then replace it. Put different stones in. Get, get rid of, like, like that garment, get rid of that garment and replace it with a new garment with things that are not questionable. Now, this was a, this was a, a tough situation for the priest to be in. This is a home. And, uh, and, and if the home was still, if they replaced the stones and replaced the plaster, and if the plague came again in verse 43, the Bible says that verse 45, they would break down the house and the stones and take it out of the city to an unclean place. Now, a house, especially in that day, that's, that's their life's work, their investment. That's, you just didn't just go buy or build a new home. This was a significant event that, that would upset a family. But if it's, if it's leprosy, it needs to be dealt with. <clears throat> and exercise the law of replacement. Let me take you to one more verse and we're going to be done. All right? Look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians chapter number 1. 2 Corinthians 1 in verse 24. <clears throat> Let's read this verse all together out loud. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 24. All together now. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. You know, young people, when, when your parents say, you know, that's, that's, not a, that's not a good direction you're going in. I'm concerned about this. I see some dangers in this. You may not see it, but your parents see it. Because all of us have blind spots. We read about Samson. Samson, can't you see what she's doing? Samson had a blind spot. People see it on the, from the outside looking in what we don't see in our own lives. So your parents, your parents can see those blind spots, young people. They're not, they're not trying to rule over your faith. They, they want to be helpers of your joy. They know that if you continue on that road... There are, there are terrible consequences for that. Your pastor, when, when, when your pastor says, he may come to a point in counseling that he's, he may say, you know, brother, sister, I, I, I just, God is not giving me peace about that decision. And there's something about it that troubles me or concerns me. Can I tell you this? And, I, and this is not anything you already know. Your pastor is not trying to run every area of your life. He's not. I, I have enough work to do to run my own life. I'm not going around with a magnifying glass trying to micromanage and run everybody's life. Oh, oh, you shouldn't be. No. He doesn't have dominion over your faith, but he is a helper of your joy. It, it's, it, it's, it's for your benefit, just like it's for our children's benefit that we give that counsel and give that caution. Even if we can't put our finger, we may have to say, I just don't know, but there's something about this that's blackish white. And I'm encouraging you not to do that. Especially, by the way, when our kids get up in their older teen years and they, and they become adults. Now, when they're third, fourth, fifth, sixth grade, you can just say, no, because I said so. And that might work then. But that's not going to work when they're 18. 
but we want to be a helper of their joy in teaching and guiding and influencing and reasoning with them. Is there some standard in your life that's blackish white? Here's how, here's how uh, sometimes that's argued. There's nothing wrong with it. You ever hear that? There, there's nothing wrong with it. That's the wrong question to ask. What's right with it? What's right? There's nothing wrong with it. You can't show me a book, chapter, and verse. Well, I could probably show you Bible principles that would address that. But you ought to ask the question, what's right with it? Not what's wrong with it. Is there a standard that's blackish white? You may have a salvation testimony that's blackish white. But I've grown up in church. No, I prayed a prayer. Praying a prayer doesn't save you. Praying a prayer does not save you. Trusting the Lord Jesus Christ is what brings salvation to our sinful, hell-deserving soul. But it's not praying a prayer. A lot of religious people pray prayers. You may have prayed a prayer. You may, you may have gone to the altar because a family member or a sibling went to the altar. And you just followed them. Or maybe a friend at youth camp. They went to the altar, so you went to the altar. And they prayed to get saved, and so you said, well, I'm just going to do what they do. That's not salvation. You may, you, may have, you may have done the right motions. You may have even said the right words, but that's not salvation. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's believing in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. You may have a blackish-white testimony. Everybody thinks I'm saved. It's not what they think, but what does God say? The Lord knoweth them that are His. He looks across this congregation tonight, and He knows who belongs to Him. You need to have a testimony that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved. Not that somebody told you, well, you got saved when you were a little kid. Well, I don't remember that. Oh, but you did. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rest my eternal soul on something I didn't know happened. Don't have a blackish-white testimony. And don't have blackish-white standards. Err on the side of caution, where you know you're safe, you know you're right. Just draw that line far enough away so that there's no danger of falling into the wrong. Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight. Is there an area in your life where wrong and right are blackish white? You know, if you have an open heart tonight, it wouldn't surprise me at all that the Spirit of God didn't bring some of those things to your attention. Something that you have in your life Maybe something in your home, maybe a habit, maybe an activity, some standard. And it's always troubled you. You haven't had peace and God hasn't given you peace about it. Maybe God is warning you, hey, draw that line. Draw that line for that standard in a place of safety. So you're not going to err and fall into that sin. Err on the side of caution. If you're here tonight and you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, and no one in the congregation is looking, but I'd like to know how I could pray for you tonight. 
If you'd say, preacher, I don't know for sure that if I die tonight, or if I died 30 years from tonight, I don't know that I know that I know that I know that I'm saved. Maybe you've told other people you're saved. Maybe you've gone through the motions and played the part of a Christian, but in your heart of hearts, you just don't know for sure. Maybe you prayed a prayer. Maybe you, you, you've been in church or you went to the altar and you, you had an emotional experience of some kind, but you don't know that you know that you know that your sins are forgiven, that Christ is your Savior, that heaven is your home. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed tonight, could I pray for you about that? If I could, just lift your hand up high. Is there someone tonight say, Preacher, that's me? I don't know for sure that if I was to die tonight or ten years from tonight, I don't know that I'd go to heaven, but I want to know that and I want you to pray for me. Lift your hand up high. Is there some? All right, I see these young people. Amen. Amen. Thank God for tender hearts. Thank the Lord for tender, precious hearts. Time invitation right now. There was a lot of help there. Teenager, you think about that. Those times mom and dad have come to you and you just didn't quite understand. Trust the God-given leadership. Trust that God-given leadership. Bring it before the Lord. Parents, Boy, a lot of help right there. Parents, we live in a day when we're getting more and more parents that are refusing to even make the call. Even though they see that it's reddish, not clear, they're afraid to make that call. Don't be afraid to make that call. It's more important that you're dad and mom than buddy. Protect them. Because just like if that leprosy spread, you'll be amazed at the devastation sin will do in your family. Protect it. If the Lord worked on your heart tonight, we want you to come and pray. Father in heaven, bless this invitation. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Turn to page 174. If you need to come and pray, you come and pray. Thank you for listening to Strengthening the Brethren podcast. Please subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you are listening via Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please give a five-star rating and review. Lastly, Share with your friends so that they too can be encouraged and think upon the topics that come up on this podcast. If you have any questions, prayer requests, or anything else for me, you can contact me through my website at www.refreshedingodsword.com or you may email me at stbpodcastkjv at gmail.com. Have a blessed day.